Welcome into Texans All Access on a Tuesday. Texans back from the bye. Joining me again, Mark Vandermeer. We just wrapped up an hour with Malik Collins. And, man, he's a quiet guy, but I felt like I learned a lot about him. Like, I did not know he was intermittent faster. Yes. At all. That I would not have guessed. <laughs> that was a shock to me when he said, you into intermittent fasting? I thought, my goodness. <laughs> things I did not expect to come up in the conversation. Look, we have a lot of time with these guys, so we kind of stretch it out and get into their lives. It's not quite the deep slant interview, but it's something where we do explore them a little bit more than your normal sports interview. Yeah, the deep slant, I mean, we have to get there fast because it's a much. It's not an hour. Mm-hmm. If, imagine if I had an hour to do the deep slant. Yes. What sort of things I would uncover. Yes, maybe this was. Maybe, <laughs> maybe this is what the show should ideas. become. <laughs> you want to take it over? Hostile takeover of the program. Hostile takeover. It's going to be an hour mm-hmm. long, two hours sure. of deep slant. No, it's been a lot of fun, actually. I don't know if you saw the post with Brevin Jordan um, on uh, on Instagram because he's officially the youngest player on the yes. Texans roster. And so our 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 social. I mean, it's not just me. I've got like a, a group of people that help me on the deep slant. Mm-hmm. Um, help me do some research. I like to do a lot of research, but you know, it's good to bounce ideas off. It's a popular uh, video. Lauren uh, well, on social media, Jay McDevitt, and then Jared Huff. We 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 sort of brainstormed some ideas, and I had found in the PR release that he was officially the youngest player on the team because he was born in 2000. So. Uh, I think the NBA did it where they showed players pictures of different things that you think they would know, but if you're born in 2000 or later, you might not know. And I I looked at these pictures like there is – he's going to know all these. A floppy disk, AOL, mm-hmm. the screen name. It literally said America Online. Right. Um, a pager. I was like, you'd see these things on TV shows. Nope. No. The back – I mean, in sync. He thought he said Backstreet Boys. He knew it wasn't the Backstreet Boys, but he, he just couldn't think of it. So I, I'll give him that one, but – I felt really, really old. That's like the Dave Clark really, really Five old. to me or something, <laughs> all right? And the floppy disk, that's tougher than you think. That You you have to know your computer history if you're him, I all right? Yes, but, I mean, you would have heard that that – well, here's the thing. America Online, which right. said America Online, mm-hmm. I explained it to him, and then after we were done filming, uh, he <laughs> we, were, we were still talking about it, and he goes, so it's like an app? And I had to explain to him how there used to not be apps. Oh yeah. Because we did not have smartphones, and I thought, okay, well, now I now I fully grasp what a difference it is to be born in two thousand versus sooner. I mean, we have kids born in the two thousands. They they say that I was born in the nineteen hundreds, <laughs> which is really old. But anyway, we, we digress. <laughs> well, the funny thing though is America Online. A lot of people might not even connect that with AOL. Right. Because I remember commercials for America Online running on the Rush Limbaugh show or some of these old radio programs that would be on. And I would think, what is that on my Commodore 64? Can I get that? (laughs) We are now online. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was a kind of a cool thing. All right. Texans are back. They're going to play the Titans. The Texans have lost eight in a row. The Titans have won six in a row. So Mm. this is a, a tall task. But you know what? After watching Monday Night Football last night with the 49ers playing the Rams. Right. They had not won a home game in over a year. Anything's possible, DB. Anything's possible. And I heard you asking, uh, I think you were talking to John McClain on Monday morning mm-hmm. uh, about, you know, Kyle Shanahan and what his future might hold with the 49ers. Right. And, and look, they, and turn the, on, they get a big win at home against the Rams. But here's the thing. The league has such wild swings this year. You Huge. have these monster blowouts of good teams, right? And the Rams were handled last night by the 49ers, who were handled the week before by no Kyler Murray, no DeAndre Hopkins, right. Arizona which was handled a week later at home. 
by Carolina with Cam Newton, who was eating Cheetos cereal. on his couch. He was and eating cereal. cereal a week before. Did we ever find out what kind, by the way? Because Florio tweeted, what kind? That's what we all want to know. That's what we all want to know. No, I, I did not follow up on that. But he's going to get some first-team reps, so... This could yeah. be the beginning of the Cam Newton era. Poor or it could be P.J. Walker. Walker. I like P.J. Walker of the Roughnecks, and I thought it was great that he finally gets his opportunity with the Carolina Panthers. I would still go with the two-quarterback system. Why not? Why not play that up a little bit? It seems unfair now that McCaffrey is back that then he doesn't get to play because that would make that offense run a lot yep. smoother with their leading sure. their leading weapon back on the field. Sam but. Darnold called and said, I'd Sam like to have McCaffrey like, back. He's like, well, this is quite unfair. Well, he had a few chances to win some games. All right, well, the Texans will get a chance to win some games. They've got now, after this Titans matchup, they'll have three home games, which yeah. is good because the Texans, I don't know if you've noticed, Mark, they struggle to score touchdowns on the road. I was not aware of this. I mean, I don't know if you knew about this What is this you speak of? 16 quarters. So uh, four entire games without a touchdown on the road. Week two, the fourth quarter, Davis Mills' first touchdown was his only touchdown on the road. And it's not like it's been a bonanza at home. You know, you did have the Patriots game. You had three touchdowns in that one. You had three touchdowns in the Rams game, but they were all very late when the game was really over. Although one more could have made it really interesting, much more interesting. Look, this has been a drought unlike anything I've ever seen in the history of this franchise. This team has never played this poorly for this amount of time. That's a fact. And I'm hoping the bye does something. I heard Sean and Seth talking about stuff David Cully says, like continuing to say we have to cut down on penalties and turnovers. Yes, they do. He's absolutely right. They do. And the things they do well, which there are some of them, there are some slivers of light coming through the clouds that you have to increase you have to find a way to do those things better whatever they are and he's right also i'm not going to tell you exactly what it is we like to run to the left more i don't know what he's thinking but we'll see what they come out with against the titans who are all banged up by the way they're close to setting the record for the most players used in a season and rabel joked in his monday press conference that he was talking to the national guys before the Rams game. He said, I would take the over on that record, by the way. We're going to get there. We're going to get way into the high 80s in players used on this roster because they've had so many players banged up. It's not just Derrick Henry, which gets all the pub. They've had a ton of injuries, Julio Jones among them. But there always seems to be somebody to pick up the slack, and that's the magic of their particular season right now. I was looking at their roster. They have 16 players on IR. Yeah. 16. I, I counted it twice. Big chunk. That is a really long list of guys on IR. And and, and star player. I mean, the star players, obviously. But they've got, you know. With what? seven games to go, that's a big number. What year was it that the Texans were so banged up on defense? 2017. Mm-hmm. On defense as well. I was thinking 2016. I think you're right, 2017. Well, 16 was tough. 17, you lost J.J. Whitney in week five to Kansas City, and then a ton of other guys. You lost Watson himself. You lost a ton of players. I think they used 78 uh, on the total roster that year. That was a tough year. 05 was a tough year. 03 was a tough year. I remember all the years, You remember all the years. I do. I remember all the years of injury struggles. This one, you've had some. It's not that bad. But I think Terod Taylor, that's the big one. And on this particular team, you could not afford to lose him when you did. Maybe later on, Mills would have been more ready. Maybe the team would have gelled a little bit better. But they couldn't lose him halftime of week two. It just was not designed to go that way. And it's really, I can't blame it all on that. But I think that's a huge part of the reason 
why this team has really struggled since then. All right, well, let's get into some hot reads. Mm -hmm. The Texans practiced yesterday at the Houston Methodist Training Center, a rare Monday practice following their Week 10 bye. They're getting ready to face the Titans that continue to find ways to win without Derrick Henry and Julio Jones on IR. They are currently 7-0 and against 2020 playoff teams, largely in part to their defense uh, mm -hmm. because of their defense, which has really stepped up since Derrick Henry went down. And I had a chance to interview Jim Wyatt, uh, who writes, who's a senior oh, yeah. writer and editor for, for ten the Tennessee Titans. That'll air tomorrow night um, on Texans All Access. And he said that, he said the pass rush, because we were talking about the pass rush and how effective it's been. And he said, you know what, they it's been so good that they want to come up with a, a name for it. And he's like, and now people have wanted to come up with names for the defense in the past, but they yeah. were, you know, he was joking they were not like good names. But he said uh, one of the names, what was one of the names that, the Tickle Monsters. Tickle Monster? That's tickle not Tickle Monsters. Good. That's not uh, good. Because they just sort of irritate opposing offenses. No. I, I thought that was funny. I hope they do. I hope they do, and I hope they come up with T-shirts that say Tickle Monsters. That's I don't like funny. that one for them, but go ahead. I mean, it's not scary. That's why I like it's it. Not, it's kind of hilarious. I like It has to be scary a little bit. It has to have something, some <laughs> edge to it. Bulls on Parade, the Purple People Eaters, the Steel Curtain, Doomsday. I mean, I want a little bit of an edge to a nickname, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Not that for your opponent. That's kind of funny. I mm. thought that was hilarious. All right. John Grenard for the Texans defense. He leads the team in sacks, but when asked what he thinks about being a building block or cornerstone guy, he said that everyone's trying to be that cornerstone guy right now, but the team just desperately wants to get a win. And John yes. Bernard, I mean, talk about a guy that really has been a bright light mm -hmm. in this season. He has just gotten better and better every single week. And I feel like the uh, the rest of the D-linemen are starting to come together as well. We had Malik Collins on earlier. Mm -hmm. He he had the interception. His stat lines have really started to show up in recent weeks as well. So, you know, the defense played so well in that game against Miami. Just sort of got lost um, in, 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 in the loss, really, right. because the offense just could not convert on a lot of those turnovers. Well, they are ninth in the league in takeaways, tied for ninth. That's nice. That's pretty good. That, that's pretty good, right? I mean, we would have taken that all day long last year. In fact, if you were tied for ninth in the league last year, you might have had a winning record the way right. the season went with 10 one-score games and you lost eight of them. That's ridiculous, but that's the way it was in 2020. For this team – I want to remember what I was saying about the D-line in the offseason when they made the acquisitions and after the draft and everything because we talked about the O-line as a real possible strength of this team. It hasn't worked out that way. Injuries, they weren't playing that great uh, when they were all healthy, and then they never got a chance to gel because guys started to drop, and here you are depleted. But with the D-line, and look, they've said goodbye to a couple of guys, Whitney Merciless, Charles Amenahu, no longer part of this thing. Doesn't seem to matter as far as getting takeaways, getting after the quarterback without having to send extra people. I really enjoy watching them play, and I think they've got sort of an identity, if you will. Look, as you say all this, you look at the numbers, overall team defense and points allowed and everything, it's not pretty. I understand that. But within the context of what they're trying to do, especially early in games, most games, it's pretty good. you got to give them some credit here. And that Miami game was extremely winnable, and yeah. I think that – if you were able to hang on to the football a little bit better, you know, get a first down here or there, it's a completely different situation. Well, Chris Conley, he talked about it. He discussed how the offense can and needs to step up to support Tyrod Taylor in his second game back. He talked about how after the game, Tyrod Taylor actually took the onus of the loss on his shoulders and said that, you know, he mm. needed to play better. But I asked Conley about it yesterday in this press conference 
Uh, when, when you hear Taylor say something like that, what are some things as a wide receiver group you feel like you can do to help Taylor in his second game back? Catch and, the ball. And he, <laughs> Yeah, he talked about inefficiencies, he said. Yeah. There was a lot of times that they their timing is off, which makes sense. I mean, these receivers, other than Brandon Cooks, they're all new. They're all new, and the quarterbacks keep changing this year. They well, that's so, the thing, yeah. So you don't really have any real consistency, although they had time in training camp together. But, I mean, we've seen it before. It takes time to sort of develop that we've uh, the chemistry between a veteran quarterback or, or you've got a veteran receiver like Cooks. Someone like him is special. It just makes you appreciate even more so what he's able to do because he can go out there no matter who is under center and who's throwing him the ball. But Conley talked about there's a lot of times when – you know, the timing is just off a little bit. It's inefficient. There's easy yards that they can get, and that's something that they need to work on and change no matter who's under center. He said both both quarterbacks have hesitated a little bit on their throws, and he said that's on the receivers. Wow, he said that. That's Well, he said the, the pass catcher, so tight yeah. ends, just as right. a group, as a whole. Bunch of guys. sort of clean things up there. Look, they, with Tarad, when he was playing, all right, week one, week one and a half, <laughs> he looked real good. It looked like people were in sync. It was moving very nicely. But, and there were a couple of throws, like the one, there was a deep one to Brandon Cooks on opening day, which was kind of a jump ball. But, hey, he took a shot and Cooks got it. Give him full credit for that. They just haven't had enough of that kind of time together. You're right, with Taylor and those regular guys. He comes back to practice. But remember, it's not like they have all this experience under their belt. To your point, uh, if they were together for two or three years and Taylor's out five, six, seven weeks, Maybe you can come back with a week of practice and your timing is okay enough. But they haven't been together. They've never really had any a track record established here. So I think that plays into it, the rhythm and the timing, plus pass protection and the fact that they can't run the ball. But we'll yep, see that. if they can get better at that after a week off and then the extra practice on Monday and all of that is against the Titans, though, and they're really good up front. Like you said, they are just demolishing people. And Jeffrey Simmons is a nightmare I was talking to Mike Keith, oh, yeah. voice of the Titans, and he compared him a little bit to Albert Hainsworth. Uh-oh. I didn't like the sound of that at all. I didn't like that either. Nope. And we've seen Simmons make a lot of big plays, not only against the Texans, but everybody else. So get ready. Buckle up. It's going to be tough. But maybe the Texans have some freshness. And maybe the Titans are all beat up because they're not able to practice the way they need to with all the damaged bodies that they have. So at some point, that might catch up to them. I thought the Saints had a real winnable situation. Roughing the passer, mm. really bad call. Wiped out an interception that would have changed the game, could have changed the game for the Saints. See how it goes this week for the Texans in Nashville. Well, that offense, I mean, the Titans offense, it's sputtered in the last few weeks. Yeah. It really has struggled. It's the defense that stepped up. But if you can outscore them or find a way to get in the end zone and just get things going with your offense, I mean, they – they're not running the ball as well as they were with Derrick no. Henry. They're just not. No, but they're continuing to run it because that's who they are. That's their identity. They're yeah. a running team. They can't just go back and throw it on every down. But, look, the way the Texans have not been playing offensively plays into the favor of the Titans. Got to find a way to get it going, you know, get into that rhythm, find a way to run the ball. I don't know what they're going to do, but they've got to figure out a way to get the ball moving because it's – I just can't – you know, I always compare things to the past – and year one, it was really difficult to watch the offense because they couldn't move it. They had all those rookies. They just couldn't get anything going, and the defense was really good. Next year, it got better. The, the third year, it was pretty decent early on to the midpoint of the season, and then it dropped off, but they finished 7-9. and nine. And then year four, it just went – it torpedoed downward. 
I just don't remember it being this tough. This is extremely tough because on the other side of the ball, in the second half, it seems to get away from them in a lot of these games. It does get away from them in a lot of these games. Didn't in the last one. They had a chance against the Dolphins. Couldn't do it. Yeah, and it seems like if the defense is playing well, then the offense just can't make it work and vice versa. And the offense, though, has large, in large part really just struggled. They've only had a few really standout games this year. I know I was thinking back to 2013. Yeah. That's a 14-game losing streak right. as well. But those games, other than a few of them, all seemed super close. Like, those were all one-score games. If you go back and look, and at the time, it did seem like, ugh, this is just awful, especially once you realize which way it was going. But I remember J.J. Watt talking about it one year, and he said, every single week we thought we were going to win, and we thought we could win. Well, they almost did. They almost did in a lot of games. Kansas City with Keenum, uh, Arizona out there with Keenum, the Colts game, they had the big lead at the half, but blew it in the second half. That was a weird game because Gary Kubiak collapsed at the half, and it was just, I think it was really hard to deal with for the team, Uh, and Andrew Luck went nuts. I don't want to go through all of them. There were only a few blowouts that year. A few later on in the year when Peyton Manning came in here and did it with Denver. The Patriots game here was super close. The Texans led twice in the fourth quarter of that game. And let's see. Oh, San Francisco was, that was terrible brutal. on the road. That was really tough. But there were a lot of close ones, to your point. You're absolutely right. That Kansas City game, they were undefeated when we went to Kansas City. But then that was the Kansas City three, where three, oh, yeah, three yeah, players yeah, yeah. did the not can- play. <laughs> and then Arian Foster came out for the game dressed, went into the locker room and came out in sweat. So you had, like, no running backs. You had a guy playing fullback, Greg Jones. Greg Jones. Greg Jones. Yeah, former Jaguar. He was uh, a fullback mm-hmm. who was disguised Florida as a running State. back <laughs> yeah. for the entire game. So, I mean, it was just – Bad circumstances. I mean, I feel like if Arian had played that game, the Texans, and that was Case Keenum's first start, he could have pulled it out. Maybe things could have changed. But, I mean, this year it just seems like a lot of different things. It's not just one position group. It's a lot of different things that aren't clicking. And maybe you know, that's just because you've got so many new players. This is one of those years stuff. you compare to those years, right? Uh, Wade Smith was talking about it. He was filling in on the morning show with Seth Payne on Monday, and he talked about that year. And I thought it was really eye-opening the way he discussed it I was living through that time again because he was talking about Kubiak. And when Kubiak came back after the mini stroke and how they just felt awful for him, that he didn't look right, the team wasn't playing well, you could see the stress on his face. Finally, they lose at Jacksonville on a Thursday night in December, early December, and he gets shown the door the day after. He played Bearded Schaub in that game because Keenum, <laughs> he was worried about pass I protection. I forgot about Bearded Schaub. Yeah, Bearded Schaub was getting you some you attention. Had, you had some confidence in Bearded Schaub. You liked it. Uh, I thought Bearded Schaub was actually doing edge. a pretty good job, but I was worried because I thought, uh-oh, he's going back to Schaub, and I'm thinking that's not the thing to do. However, he did it for sound reasoning, pass protection, mm. that Schaub could get them in some protections at the line or whatever the case may be, that maybe Keenum didn't spot. Keenum was a rookie still. Had eight starts that year, didn't win any of them. Won two the next year with O'Brien. It was just a weird situation. It was weird because it was a coaching staff that was trying to change things up. I remember towards the end of the year, they started playing music at practice, which they had never done. That was interesting. They never played music. And how about Shaw being the holder on – on was it punts field goals what, what did we well, see he wouldn't him hold on a punt but he was field. holding on a field goal he was holding on a field goal he was out there because why he was, was the that quarter, he was the backup quarterback yeah but oh just practicing just I in case yes i don't know if oh he's the backup holder he's the backup holder in case the punter can't do it yeah that's right that's, that's what, what it was not on, yeah sorry not it was on field it was on the field goal 
So it was just a it was a strange season all around. And yeah. I think Wade Wade was banged up that year too. He had some it he seems had some scoping some or something done in camp, and he was just not quite right for most of the early part of the year. I asked Cully about the music, not here, but in his career, because he's coached so long. I find it interesting when you talk to coaches who have been around that long. Do you remember when they brought in music at practice and how you felt about it? Because I remember how I felt about it. I just thought it was kind of cool but weird because we'd always blared crowd noise here. That's right. And then one day we go out there, and it, I believe it was the first week Keenum started, Yeah. and there's music. And I thought, huh. And then people are telling me colleges have been doing this. This is a trend because I don't go to other NFL teams' practices. I go here. And this is a trend, and they thought, let's shake it up and do something different. So I thought it was kind of cool. Whenever I hear songs from that year, it mm. reminds me of 2013. Oh, yeah. There was a lot of Jay-Z that year. Oh, really? Tom Ford. It was There were certain songs that I hear, and I'm like, oh, that just reminds me of 2013. I hear future a lot out here, only because I know it's future from <laughs> you telling me it's future. And now I can recognize future. Sounds like a Texans practice, Vanderkid was doing a Name That Rapper or hip-hop artist uh-huh. contest with me, How'd a one-man contest, I got four out of five. That's solid. I got Future, Travis Scott, Lil Baby, Da Baby. Those are hard. Those are tricky. In Future. In <laughs> Future. I you, forget I'm, who I got wrong. I can't. I didn't even recognize I mean, the that's name. more than you knew five years ago. So Way more. We will credit practices for getting mm-hmm. you up to speed on your hip-hop music scene. Mm-hmm. All right, yesterday Terrence Brooks was back at practice, and uh, he's been on IR. He's missed the last three games. He was injured in week six at Indy. He had the lung contusion, spent overnight in the Indy hospital, came back uh, oh, that week, right. and uh, he's missed those three games. The Texans have used a combination of Lonnie Johnson and then Eric Murray to start alongside Justin Reed in his absence. So if he gets to play on Sunday, he could he could help that that back end. Yeah, I forgot all about that, really. I had to look it up. I said he was the one that spent the night in the hospital, and I could mm-hmm. I could not remember what the um, what it was. A lung condition sounds serious. I'm I'm a little bit surprised that he's back, but we could also see Laramie Tunsil come back this week as well. He's missed more than three games. He had the thumb the thumb surgery, and I feel like the last few weeks when when Cully gets asked about it. He seems more and more optimistic that he it could be any day now. But then again, yeah. we also we also thought that with Tyrod Taylor for exactly. a solid two weeks. You know, we should factor this into the Cully translator. Uh, I know. When he says he's getting close, that means he's still two weeks out. My <laughs> my translator of the David Cully press conference, I'm not feeling it. I'm not feeling it for Laramie just yet. I hope it happens this week. But they we had the bye really week. We had the bye week in between. I know, but people act like the bye week is this magical time <laughs> where <laughs> healing Where everything speeds. heals and speeds everything up. heals up. Bones are bones. Give a are week fixed. off. You're not playing anyway, but it's a week off for everybody else. So you should feel you should heal faster this week. It's just that another week goes by. It was strange. It's always strange to be consuming NFL football when the Texans aren't playing. I feel like the final exam's going on. And I'm not there. It's kind of nice because I feel like you see a lot of errors that the Texans make. You see them across the league. That's a good point. Like the the things that we want to have fixed on offense or defense, it's it, it, it ails all the other teams, yeah. especially the teams that are struggling right now. I was in Indianapolis, so I saw the Colts and the Jaguars game. Mm-hmm. And that was a close game. And at the end, um, you know, the, the Jags had a chance to tie it up or, or to take the lead. Strip and, sack. And Trevor Lawrence – yeah, they, they lose the ball, which is something we've seen 
in these games as well. It's oh, like yeah. so close and then a turnover at the wrong time. We saw that last year as well against the Colts twice. Could you imagine if the Jags pull that game out? Ugh. You know, you're talking about beating the Dolphins, the Bills, and then you beat the Colts on the road. But it was so doable because Carson Wentz, and I'm watching my, my brother who is just such a Colts fan, and he just gets so annoyed when Wentz does those weird across-the-body left-handed throws. Yes. He did it again. He's like, I don't know why he keeps doing that. This one was actually caught it by his It was teammate. not intercepted. I said, because you know what? It works. It works sometimes. <laughs> it works. That's why he's going to keep doing it. It's it like works. it's like um, it's like my my oldest who likes to procrastinate till the mm. very last second. He can procrastinate and still do a good job, which further fuels his obsession to procrastinate because he's like, well, but I, then you get caught. I can get it done. It's an adrenaline. And rush. you don't, but you yeah. don't have the same kind of adrenal, adrenaline <laughs> the next time because you got away with it, so you feel like you're going to pull it off, right? And maybe you wait even the, longer. The, Maybe well, he maybe would, throws an even worse left-handed That's pass. a real adrenaline rush. No, with Wentz, yeah, how could you do it? 33% of the time, it works all the time, right? Right. So there you have it. Well, maybe he'll throw a few more. It is funny to see why and when he does, and it's always a, a really crucial point in the game when why he up. can't Tannehill do that this Tannehill week? Tannehill might be doing like it. Two or three of those, please. All right, what will Tannehill be doing? What can we expect from the Tennessee Titans? We've got more. Texans All Access continues in just a moment. Welcome back to Texans All Access. The Texans are headed to Nashville to play the Titans, and uh, they'll be doing so without Derrick Henry. And mm -hmm. it seems like the Texans are preparing for a Titan, uh, a Derrick Henry-less Titans as if Derrick Henry is playing. So they're not really changing anything. Several players talked about it yesterday. And you know what? In 2020, Mark, I, I did you go back and look at the Derrick Henry stats, or do, are they no. etched in your mind? No, I don't need to because he's not playing, so I refuse to look <laughs> at those horrifying numbers. Horrifying. Although, I will tell you this. The game that stands out to me, because I'm a positive thinker yes, here, okay. is 2019, relatively late in the season. You have to go up there, and you have to get it. They are building momentum. You have to beat them, and you do. And you hold Henry, I think it was 85 yards or something like that, which is still a nice chunk of yards. In fact, I will gladly take that from any one of the Texans running backs this week. But at the time, Henry was on a roll, and you held him in check. That was in check for Henry, and the Texans won the football game. I think that was the one where the ball caromed off Ferkser and Whitney returned it a long oh, way. I think that was that early. game. That was early in the game. Yeah, I think that was that game because – it wouldn't have been the year before. Year before was the 20 to 17 loss in week two, where Watson scrambled and ran out the clock, basically hitting Hopkins. They couldn't have time on the clock to hit a field goal. Anyway, that was a big win for the Texans at the time up there. The Titans, you got to give them a lot of credit here. John Robinson comes in in 2016. They only have two players on the entire roster from before when he got there. So he's overhauled everything, which you should from 2016 on, unless you have a stud quarterback or some unbelievably great players that have been around for a long, long time. But he's overhauled the roster. Uh, they make the coaching change, gutsy coaching change, when they go to Vrabel after winning a playoff game at Kansas City. Alex Smith led Kansas City at the time. But the moves they've made have really worked out wonderfully for them. Now, they've got to an AFC championship game two years ago last year. Obviously, a step back postseason-wise. Every team that's in their position, they feel like if they don't take it to AFC Championship game or at least the Super Bowl, they feel like they're slipping a little bit, mm -hmm. just like the Texans kind of did. You know, you get to the playoffs a lot, and you don't get through. You feel like, what are we missing? What are, you, what are we missing? It's going to be interesting to see how they handle it if they don't get through. Because 
you know, the Ravens, I, I always go back to them back in the day when they had Joe Flacco and John Harbaugh and they first started out. And I think it took them five tries and they finally won the Super Bowl. And they were winning playoff games every year, but they just couldn't get through. They couldn't get over the hump and get into the big one. And we'll see how it goes for the Titans. I'm just hoping they slide down from here and lose their final seven games. It's amazing what Ryan Tannehill's been able to do in the second act of his career. And it's and it's I'm kind of impressed because Arthur Smith left to go coach the Falcons and I thought yeah. that might change things for their offense. Yeah. We thought if they ever lost Derrick Henry, what would they do? Or Dean Pease, the defensive coordinator. And yeah. last year they weren't as good on defense, they but they've not. got it going on now right now. Yeah, they signed some guys and, and you know, the quarterback play is is more consistent, although Tannehill Last week against the Saints, his numbers were pretty pedestrian. 213 yards, a touchdown, but the difference was he didn't throw any interceptions, mm-hmm. which uh, I was talking to Jim Wyatt, and he said that's been the main the main problem for Tannehill is turning the ball over. And I looked it up. He has 12 touchdowns, eight interceptions, and you know how many times he's been sacked, Ryan Tannehill? 29. That's Which is a lot for a veteran quarterback. Because usually you think the rookie quarterbacks get sacked more often. They don't get rid of the ball. I went back and looked. Mills was sacked 20 times. Mm-hmm. Taylor has been sacked six times. So com- you combine Mills and Taylor, and he still has more sacks. But, I, you know, we saw week one he was sacked five times by Chandler Jones. So I think Tannehill, it's, he, with this D-line, they could get some pressure on him. That seems to be his Achilles heel. Mm. Getting rid of the ball, getting sacked, and that seems to be a strength of this defense. Eight interceptions is a pretty large number, and like we mentioned, they wiped one off the board on the shaky roughing the passer penalty against the Saints last week. That would have been nine. nine. That's quite a bit. His quarterback rating is 90. That's not great for a top-flight quarterback on a number one seed, and 12 touchdowns is not a ton, but when you have run it the way they do, okay, you'll live with that. You can't live with the turnovers. The completion percentage is 66. That's not terrible at all. But in today's NFL, top-flight quarterback, you want to see it nudge up to 67, 68, because over time those incompletions add up to big moments or whatever. Uh, We'll see how it goes for Ryan Tannehill. I think it's weird that he has so many sacks, especially with such a – like a – like a leading back in the league, you just hand the ball off a lot of times. <laughs> like, I'm saying, why would you ever get sacked? I would just give it to Derrick Henry. He had before, okay, so he's missed the last two games, mm-hmm. 937 yards, 10 rushing touchdowns. I mean, he was on his way to another 2,000-yard rushing season. But Adrian Peterson comes in, and you know what? They're really excited about Deontay Foreman over there. Yeah, they uh, are. He, he not, only, not only the run game, he's catching passes too. So well, he's so talented and it just never worked out here for him or in Indianapolis where he was. He has enough guys he recognizes there, a lot of former Texan staffers in Nashville, and maybe it's finally time for him to shine. Who knows? But under three yards per carry last week. Now they just got there, he and Adrian Peterson. They just got there, basically. But two catches for 48 yards. That's pretty impressive. Well, remember the one against Philadelphia? He really didn't do much in his comeback game then in 2018, but – Watson found him over the middle, and he ran it in for six. And he's just that kind of guy. He's talented. He can do things with the football. Ball in his hands, out in space. And he's a load to bring down. He's a dangerous player. Look, they are great game planners. I hate to use that cliche, but they are. The Mm -hmm. Titans find a way to just get you in a fight every week, figure out a way out of it, and win the game. Just like they did in that 2017 game, that victory for them in week two of 2018 that we brought up earlier, in that game, they had Blaine Gabbert playing. 
Blaine Gabbert started. They went with the Wild Henry, Derrick Henry out of the Wildcat. They just found a way to manufacture some offense and manufacture a victory that day, and it hurt a lot. I was just thinking, do you remember when Derrick Henry wasn't very good? Like early he, on in his career? When he was just okay, and it was that him was and DeMarco <laughs> Murray in a exotic smash-mouth two-man backfield, according to Mike Malarkey. They had both of them, but Derrick Henry, I mean, he really turned things around in his career. Who was it? Eddie? Was it Eddie George, am I thinking, who talked to him? Uh, maybe, probably, because yeah. he's a Titan. Yeah, so, he, so he, he sort of gave him a pep talk, like, mm-hmm. you got to play like you're this size. And I don't know how a pep talk can change someone's career around, but, I mean, it's like we forget that he wasn't always as good. And, and you think of a guy like Deontay Foreman, maybe, you know, maybe there's a little bit of immaturity early on in these guys' career. they got to sort of take some, some hits, like it didn't work out from here, it didn't work out from Indy, and maybe he goes to Tennessee and he's like, okay, this is the last house on the left, i got to make it work. So maybe it's just – wasn't going to work until it was going to work for him. You certainly hope it still doesn't work for him. But he's got Adrian Peterson there, too. So he's got some veteran guys to sort of model himself after. You know, they're working on a sixth consecutive winning season, which is really impressive, all under John Robinson, the general manager. Like we mentioned, the first two years with Mike Malarkey. That really is impressive. And, you know, you and I have known people who have worked there for a long time, like Mike Keith, the voice of the Titans. Mm-hmm. You mentioned Jim White, who used to work for the Tennessean. And Titan Amy, is she still there? She's still there. Pat O'Hara is there. We got a lot of former coaches there as well. Oh my God! Your favorite. My favorite. What did I watch? I was watching a few years ago. The Water. The Boy? Water Boy. Yeah. And I forgot he was in it He's until in he it. was in it. He was the opposing quarterback, and then I, I think I, I think I saw him in the hallway and told him because he, I mean, it was just hilarious. To I see him loved having him here, and I would just. Make how many times movie did you? How many times did you ask about his movie, his acting career? All like, the time. Like I'd make Middle references. of the season. Any given Sunday, he's uh, Cherubini, the third. Yeah. No, he's the backup to Dennis Quaid. Willie Beeman was the third stringer and came in and lit it up. Yeah, he was a good backup quarterback because he played quarterback and he mm-hmm. would make it believable. I remember him saying that. I would. I used to ask him, all right, so in uh, Remember the Titans, did you guys do that? Because he was in that Hollywood production company yes. where they would stage football for movies that needed football and needed it to look good and real because that – is easier said than done. You can't just get any director, all right, you guys line up like you're playing football. It's not going to look right. right. They want it to look realistic, and he worked for that company that did it, but they didn't do every football movie. Like, did you guys do Rudy? No, that wasn't us. That was the other guys. <laughs> you know, there's another one that does a lot of those movies as well. That's a great career. It is. And then he decides to get into coaching, which I think. He'd rather do this, which yeah. is crazy as far as the hours, but I guess Hollywood hours aren't much better, and the work here is steadier. It is until you, I mean, if you get fired, obviously it's not. You could work. Yeah, with but the you same go to another like here. Yeah. Did I don't know if he got the job there or if he was dismissed here. I can't remember the circumstances which led to his departure here. But a lot of these guys go to another staff and they catch on. They'll find another way to get employed in the league. Yeah, well there he is. He's mm-hmm. there with the Titans, and everything looks very genuine that he does on the field. Mm-hmm. So he could, you know, <laughs> genuine. He could, so he could go back. He could go back to Hollywood anytime and and really work on that. Okay, you mentioned Jeffrey Simmons. Yep. He has seven and a half sacks on the year, mm-hmm. and uh, Harold Landry has ten. Danico Autry has five five sacks. So that pass rush is getting some pressure on quarterbacks. <laughs> ten sacks. Things. I mean, they haven't had a bye week, so they have played an extra game, but. I mean, that's, that's well, you know what I'm concerned about, and what? this is what the coaches here have to be getting ready for. Get ready for lots of blitzing, just overwhelming the line of scrimmage mm. and see if we can handle it, see if we can beat it with a hot read or whatever. I, we've got to be ready for that kind of thing. I can't believe the Ravens didn't watch the tape from our game and see, hey, they send a lot of guys. 
because the Dolphins do that every game, yeah. and the Ravens couldn't handle it, and the Dolphins won back-to-back last week. Now they have the Jets. This could be interesting for them. Well, that's how the 49ers beat the Rams. They just watched what the Titans did the week before. So it's, I such, guess a, so. it's such a copycat league. It's a copycat league. It's such a copycat league. All right, what else is going on around the league? we got one segment left of Texans All Access. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back. One final segment of Texans All Access. We go around the NFL, Mark. What games were you watching? Were you watching Red Zone on Sunday since it was the final? Yes, here's the thing. This is what I do, and it's a big mistake, and I, I did it again. I was in denial. This is classic. You were in denial. I was in denial. <laughs> I thought, all right, it was around noon. It was close to kickoff, and I thought, I'm just going to sit down and watch about 10 minutes of Red Zone. All right, then I'm going to work around the yard and get a lot of productive things done around the house because it's the bye week, and it's a good time to do it. Well, seven hours later... <laughs> there I am, and it's dark. Still in front of the red zone. <laughs> <laughs> yes. and, it sucks and you in, that red zone. You know zone? what's really depressing? When red zone goes off the air, and oh, it's, yeah, just it's, the, it's the slide, and it's that music, like, da 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 <laughs> And <laughs> if you turn it on now, <laughs> that's what's on red zone. You're like, I'll just wait. I'll just wait till the next <laughs> I'll just wait till Sunday. Sunday. It's a weird channel because you guys can't put anything else on this channel. Like, recap? Why don't you recap the stuff I watched earlier in the day? Why don't they just rerun, if I were them, uh-huh. if I were them. If you were them. I would rerun Red Zone from, like, here's five yes. years ago, week four, and <laughs> just run the whole day. And I'll tell you what, people would be riveted. Like, oh, my gosh, that's right. I remember that play. You know, Hugh Jackson <laughs> coaching the Browns, whatever the case may be. Uh, why not do something like that? You I could think just, it would be cool. You could just rerun the entire day because, like, I was watching NFL Network. They were rerunning the ESPN Peyton Manning, Eli Manning simulcast today. How about the that? NFL Network was. Yes. And I didn't watch the whole thing, so I just sort of – sometimes I'll catch it in the fourth quarter once my kids are down mm-hmm. and in bed, then I'll start watching a little bit of it. But I was like, you could just – that's a great idea to just replay the entire red zone. Because, yeah. I mean, people have things to do. You might get a chunk of like a chunk of time where you didn't sit down in front of the TV because you were out in the yard mm-hmm. like you were supposed to and just w- watch it the next day. The you know what happens, but it's still fun to watch. I have no complaints against Red Zone other than it's too good, and it's hard to tear <laughs> yourself away addictive. from it. The one thing is sometimes you want this, the moment to breathe a little bit. You know, don't cut away yet because I want to see the replay and I want to hear a oh, little yeah. discussion on what just happened just yeah. so I can get it down. But now they'll move on to the next thing. But I watch, I'm still old school, and I'll watch the highlights from the NFL Network show that airs at 6.30 Central with uh, Chris Rose doing it, uh, just game day highlights, whatever it is. And he goes through all the games just like Chris Berman used mm-hmm. to and all, mm-hmm. Rich Eisen and all those guys in those classic-type shows now. But Rose does an outstanding job by himself recapping the game. And the thing is, those are good game recaps, and he'll go over the big moments. And if you missed anything, you, which I usually do because I'm doing our games, you get a real sense of what happened in that particular game and the yeah. moments, the pivotal moments on the field and off the field, and I really like that. So that was cool. But this past Sunday, it was all about Titans and all about the Jags and the Colts to me. Yeah. That's, that's what I really cared about the most. Um, I didn't, The afternoon, late afternoon window, I wasn't as into that as I was. The early, we had the test here because we're in the testing tier. Sure. I came back in and got I was flying back, so I didn't I didn't catch the late the, the afternoon games. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I do agree with you. The red zone, I like it, but I don't like it because there's no context. Like you're mm-hmm. watching what's happening in that moment of the game, but then I always have questions like, okay, but. How they get the ball how, back? How, wh- where is so-and-so? Why is he not on the field? Did he yeah. get injured? Like, yeah. you know, for fantasy football, it's great because you can see who's going to score. That's all you care about. Sometimes I just want a little bit of context. I kind of like watching if it's a good game, the entire game. That's why the the Mannings is that's so good because even if the game's a blowout, 
Sometimes I just want to hear idle conversation. I want to hear about <laughs> Philip Rivers and how he started wearing the bolo tie, <laughs> which I got to hear yeah. last night. Well, and he was actually really good. If I don't care about the game as much, Manning Cast is great. If I really care about the game, I want to focus on the game. And sometimes those guys just really wander far from the action. And they I'd do. rather see uh, the announcers. And I know that that ESPN Monday Night crew, they're not exactly getting rave reviews. I don't think they're as bad as everyone says. But I get it. They're kind I of just, vanilla. They're kind of vanilla, I think. Yeah, They're Steve right. Levy to me, I just equate him. To, look, I used to listen to the guy doing WFAN. That's the sports station in New York. Weekend updates back in the day. That's where I first heard him. This might have been before I was in the business. And good for him doing Monday Night Football. I mean, that's a heck of a broadcast gig right there. I know that there are people insanely envious, jealous yeah. of Levy having that job. And guys who are probably more qualified because they've been doing more play-by-play over the years. Like me? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> I've always wanted to be the voice of the team. But why you know not that. get like a guest color person every week? Just get a different guy in the booth. I mean, that I feel might, like it that might not be a, the worst idea ever. It's honestly. kind of a it's kind of a compromise between mm-hmm. Manning Cast and ESPN mm-hmm. broadcast crew. You get right. You get a former player who's not so far removed. I mean, the Mannings get great guests. They had Dream on Green last night. They had Al Michaels yeah. on. They had Bill Phil Mickelson. Rivers. They, yeah, it's like I just tune in for who, the guest I want to see. They, they, it's not even just football anymore so maybe you get a guy like i don't know i don't know if a phil mickelson would do well on a it's per- Monday this is night broadcast, perfect for peyton manning though to not be in the booth and to do this format where he can talk to people and maybe and so we haven't funny. found the perfect thing yet for him but we're getting close he's really great at what he does in media and eli manning sneaky funny i didn't realize how funny he was yeah he's actually pretty funny he is pretty good he's just not as good as his brother he's different He's good. He's he he does a good job of getting them back yeah. on track and talking about. Gosh, the game I hate the Mannings I know, though. I, know you I mean, hate the Mannings. Oh. they're so entertaining. I, I mean, I like it. them now. I just Peyton. I, I'll have a flashback every <laughs> once in a while. It's third and five. Oh my gosh, he's gonna throw to Dallas Clark. <laughs> oh no. All right. Well, on that note, uh, let's flash back with Texas replay. It's coming up next with John Harris, and he's going to do more than just flashback to the last game. He's oh, yes. He's going to do a lot more. Oh, no, he's got some buy. great stuff. He's going to put some great stuff together. That's coming up next. That's going to do it for Texans All Access. Thanks so much for listening. And as always, go Texans.